Welcome back to season three of Flop Stars. If you've been with us before, it's much the same. We'll take an album that we feel was criminally underrated or ignored on the charts and unpack it. In the past, we've taken on Charlie XCX, Carly Rae Jepsen, Taylor Swift, and more. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> You're doing good. I'm Sam Murphy, and I'm joined as always by Nick Kelly. And this week, we're focusing on an old friend. Lady Gaga first appeared in season one with Art Pop, and for season three, we are taking on Joanne. Welcome, Nick. How are you? Are you excited to get back to Gaga? Sam, I'm pumped to get into Joanne, working title Dead Aunt album. <laughs> <laughs> working title or your title? My title. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is fun. We were just saying, like, I can't believe this is our first repeat offender. Um, but it makes sense that it would be Gaga. I mean, so many albums in, you know, there's going to be one or two stinkers, um, probably more than one. So this is exciting. Yeah, I, it's interesting when it comes to Gaga because you could put quite a few of her albums into the flop category, depending on which way you look at it. Um, but I think in many ways, Joanne is almost a bigger flop than what art pop was. It's just that art pop seems to have more of a cult following, but doing my research on Joanne, it's actually one of the more interesting, like pop scenarios. I feel like maybe even more so than art pop, even though art pop may outweigh it in terms of what the fans love. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think this is a really interesting one to look at from that perspective, um, you know, it really sums up the fact that Lady Gaga kind of continues to just do whatever the hell she wants. And I remember yeah. going into this album, I wasn't particularly excited about it, but I was excited for her because she had contributed so much good stuff to my pop diet over the journey. I was kind of like, I'll give you this time. I'll give you this moment to, I don't know, fuck it up. And just do whatever the hell you want and whatever you feel is right. Yeah. And there's almost like a trust we gave her going into art, uh, going into into Joanne. There's almost a trust we gave her to always know that we'll, she'll come back to the right bit. It's like when you let a cat go from your house and you let it kind of go wandering. <laughs> you know it will come back at the end of the day for its bowl of food. And she's <laughs> gone and done that with Chromatica finally. Um, but yeah, I think from that perspective, it's 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 kind of an album we just sort of trusted her to do and to allow her to feel something different. The dead aunt and the cat straying from her <laughs> house album. <laughs> we let the cats cats out to play or whatever the saying is. When the girls go away, the cats will come out to play. I don't know about you, but when Perfect Illusion, when I heard it for the first time, I think I knew that Mark Ronson was involved but I don't think I expected what I got when I first heard it. Yeah. It kind of blares in and that vocal is very jarring the first time you hear it. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. I don't know whether I thought we were going to get another pop album, but I certainly wasn't expecting a, a record that straddles rock music almost. Yeah, exactly. And I think when we found out that Kevin Parker from Tame Impala was involved as well, but that Blood Pop would kind of be around this, the edges of it as well, it was really, really hard to pick what they were going to go for. But I think coming into Perfect Illusion, 
the combination of Mark and Kevin kind of made sense. It kind of sounded like what you would expect to get from those two people, but not what you would expect necessarily from Gaga. And I think, yeah, it was, you know how I've always got a story of where I heard the song for the first time. Um, (laughs) This one was, it was the last day of Big Sound or maybe the day after Big Sound, which is a big music conference here in Australia. Um, And I was sitting at a pub drinking a Bloody Mary because I was hungover as all hell. Um, and I was listening to Kiss FM on my laptop um, and they were doing like a Gaga countdown of like all her big hits and then they played the new one. Um, and my first impression was I really loved it. I thought it was a really great song, but even that I don't think set me up for what the rest of the Joanne experience was going to end up being. Yeah, I think I liked it as well, but I was definitely confused as to where she was going. Yeah, And that vocal in the chorus is one of the most wild kind of pop vocals I've heard considering she was giving up like obviously she was giving us avant-garde pop music but in terms of like vocals or anything really abrasive she wasn't really entering that territory and then suddenly she's gone into like this 70s glam rocker on acid vibe and just absolutely (laughs) like yelling her way through that chorus in the best way. Absolutely. But then you get to the end of that song. And I think if I'm right, there was no album announced like around Perfect Illusion. No, um, it was Million, so Re- Million Reasons what, that I think. Million Reasons. Million Reasons <laughs> that I think ended up being the sort of album announce one. From That's from memory. That's not fact. Um yeah, and it was Which kind is of how this podcast always works. Exactly, from opinion yeah. and rough, vague thought, not fact. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think it was really a nice. It was it was a nice moment for me, and I, I remember seeing a lot of the thoughts around Perfect Illusion as soon as it came out, and people were really jarred by it. Um, but yeah. I kind of like, as I said, I think you know, as a trusting Gaga fan who knows how good she is and how self-aware she is um it was like this will be different but it will be good in its own way it will have its own magic to it um but i think the the reason it can kind of come into the flop stars category and the reason that it didn't um you know do as well as other albums is because it was so jarring especially to the passive gaga fan it was much more indulgent and and abrasive yeah and i guess i was so shocked because she's kind of like dabbled like she's only ever really been apart from the jazz album she's only really been in like the beats and like dance world and synth world like we'd never really heard her do particularly a full um album with organic instrumentation and that shocked me a lot but now when I think about it and I kind of have the perspective of the fact that we've heard Joanne and we've seen where Gaga went after Joanne when she was always naming who her heroes was, like it was always like Elton John, Bowie, like Prince, those kind of people. And not like, yeah. apart from Madonna, she wasn't really going for those like hardcore, like dance pop, pop stars. So it makes sense that she ultimately ended up going in this kind of glam rock direction on Joanne and really tried to like hone in on. Sorry, I'm about to choke. That's all right. Please don't Carry try. On. Please don't die. <laughs> this will be the Dead Sam podcast. <laughs> I was going. <laughs> I was going to say I'm really excited because I have a um I have a cough mute button on this desk today, so I can mute myself every time I cough. Oh, that's amazing! But I realise I also have to hit mute on Zoom so that you don't hear it as it happens. Well, that's okay. So, I will. Ups, I'll take flows. the hit. 
I'll take the hit for the audience. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going for that, so it's probably no. going with that. So it's probably lucky that I ended up choking. Yeah, but it's good. Let's talk about a little bit about where Gaga was at headwise when she did this album. Yeah. Do you think she was making Joanne and thinking like, okay, I think the fans will like this. Blub Pop's involved. Mark Ronson's a popular producer. This is going to work. Or do you think she was thinking like, I'm in a really shitty place mentally right now and I need a record that's going to help me get all of this out so I that I can hit reset and move on. Yeah, I think possibly both. I think more the latter than the former, but mm. maybe that's me wanting to think it's more the latter than the former because I want her to do an album that feels right to her and isn't a grab for, you know, a new, a new era. But... Yeah. In saying that, you know, Gaga has always been so good at really defining the different eras of her career and the different characters of her career and the different yeah. personalities. And I think there's maybe an element of that. I, I, I don't want to say, I, I think unlike other albums that have been like this, I don't think it was an album where she wanted to prove anything. I don't yeah. think she wanted to prove that she can do this stuff because we did know that she can do this stuff. Um, like, even on Born This Way, like, something like You and I really fits yeah, on in absolutely. the Joanne era perfectly. And the whole character of Joe Calderon that she built around, you know, that song and, and then continued to use um, as like her male, you know, her masculine alter ego. Um, yeah. She has been doing this stuff and weaving it in and out of the records the whole time. But this is the first time where she went fully indulgent and did a full record of yeah. that kind of music and, and stuff that was a bit more acoustic and a bit more raw. Um, but I don't think it was, to, yeah, it wasn't to prove a point. It was just where she was at in life. Felt like it didn't need to be soundtracked by glittery synths and a thought of the flob beat for once. I have to say, when I think about Gaga's whole career, I never look at any of her records as being, as trying to be something she wasn't or trying to find popularity elsewhere or trying to attract a new audience. Nothing's try hard that she does. Like I believe everything she does. And even though I, I'll question some of the decisions she made with Joanne and art pop, I, it, it feels so authentic. And particularly when you think of where she went after Joanne with the whole, a star is born thing. And I feel mm. like you almost needed her, a star is born character to contextualize the music in Joanne because it's really like they're from the same kind of place, I feel like. And obviously she works with Mark Ronson again on Shallow, but that kind of really bluesy country rock-led music. The A Star Is Born soundtrack and Joanne are really like a pair to me. And I think it's a no-brainer as well that despite where Gaga's at musically at the moment in the Chromatica space, and obviously there'll be some extensive touring of Chromatica um, with the Chromatica Ball soon, but we'll see. I don't think this is the l- <laughs> fingers crossed because I just read about a new strain of COVID. Um, I, I think, I, I, I think it is a no-brainer that we will see her do something in this space again. I don't think we'll ever see it, you know, as you know, it won't be Joanne 2.0, but she definitely yeah. will do this kind of music again. And really, this was kind of like a 360 you know, pulling together of everything she's done. Because she's done pop, she's done dance, she's done jazz, and now she's done the rock stuff as well. She's really kind of done everything. Like, she's yeah. really encompassed every genre and blitzed it every time. I think regardless, I think you raised a really good point, you really can't doubt the authenticity 
of this record. Um, yeah. You can doubt a lot of things with the strategy and, you know, with the rollout of it, but you really can't doubt how authentic the music actually is. Yeah, and it seemed like she... I think you get to a point in your career when you're someone like Lady Gaga who took off so quickly. She really didn't have a, a road bump until Art Pop where I think it was a matter of just overexposure and that coupled with how crazy the theatrics had got in a time where pop was going, obviously going the other way and going into relatability. Totally. It's like, okay, I need to figure out who I am without this Lady Gaga character that's consumed my life for so long. And she makes this interesting quote where she says, returning to your family and where you came from and your history, this is what makes you strong. It's not looking out that's going to do that. It's looking in. Joanne is a progression for me. It was about going into the studio and forgetting that I was famous. And you feel that on the record. Whereas Art Pop, I feel like, was almost like, the point at which fame starts to corrode at you and kind of blow up almost. And and she played with that idea quite like in an entertaining way. But this was her being mm. like, okay, fuck the Lady Gaga thing. Like, what do I actually want to say? And what what are the actual things that built me as a human being outside of fame? Because when you name your first album The Fame, it consumes, <laughs> the celebrity consumes you. And this is the first time where the kind of veil was off and we got to see her at her songwriting core. And I don't know about you, but I went to back to the album today, obviously, <laughs> because we were doing this. <laughs> and I think, it's, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think in the context of her whole career, it really stands out as like a really mm. beautiful moment. And I don't know about you either. By the way, every time you say, I don't know about you, I sing, I'm feeling 22 in my head. P.S. <laughs> happy birthday, Sam Murphy. Up. <laughs> yes, 22. <laughs> yeah, 22 <Again>. today. <laughs> it's exciting. I said well, that not- I was going to make you do uh, an album that was very indulgent for me today, but I thought we'll, we'll meet in the middle and, and do an album that we both agree on in yeah. some way and I'll leave Lana Dore for another time. <laughs> we should have done it. Um, I don't know about you, but like I have been, I think over the pandemic, really finding some solace in more, I, I, I feel like such a, like if you told me this five years ago, I would have fucking died, but I've been finding <laughs> solace in like, I don't want to say more authentic music, but I've been finding a Careful. lot of solace in listening to really good rock records and alternative rock records and records with instrumentation with like recorded live instrumentation recently and like learning a lot more about the music that built my favorite artists as well um kind of in the last 12 months i've found this new kind of world that i'm really obsessed with um and I think going into Joanne with that context and with a bit more of a musical appreciation now for the people that built her as a pop star, the ones you mentioned, the Bowies of the world, um, I think this album makes so much sense and actually stands out and, and feels like possibly one of her musical best. Yeah. I th- I'm the same as you in terms of like that's what I went through in like early COVID 
trying to like go back to the songwriting that I re- that was like just really direct and really organic and that like I connected to immediately and then on the on mm. the flip side of that coin is I've just gone like hardcore four to the floor dance music like bangers and it's weird because Chromatica and Joanne satisfy like both sides of that but yeah I think sometimes when you have a song that's like a um like a bluesy song or a rock song, you can't imagine like pulling it into all different worlds. But I think when I went back to Joanne today, I was like, there are so many of these songs I can imagine with different production fitting into any of her records. And I think that's the point at which I like really appreciate how good Gaga is as a songwriter because she's such a traditionalist in her songwriting in that she's like kind of a fan a fan of the American standard and it's probably why she gravitates towards Tony Bennett where she just appreciates a song for a song and you start with that song and then you build up to get to where she wants it to be and she's great at an era she knows what the sound is she knows what the production needs to sound like but think about Million Reasons for example like that could have a beat behind it and that could be like the A Thousand Doves moment on Chromatica very easily totally. like pulled into that. And it's just because it's a great song. And like, I think there are so many of those moments on Joanne that are just really great songs, strong songwriting, direct. Her vocals are like brilliant throughout. A few tweaks and like it's taking it in a whole new direction, which is like Lady Gaga's absolute like biggest victory, I feel like. No, you've hit the nail on the head. It it absolutely is a victory for her. And I think going back on it feels like a victory lap. Yeah. Don't you think Joanne was kind of the moment that she went from being like Gaga, the person who's holding onto the charts, trying to cling to hits. She's the main pop girl to being like, okay, now she's a legacy artist. She can kind of do what she wants. She's like laid the foundations and now she's a superstar because I feel like she was landing all the big performances, even though nothing on Joanne was necessarily charting very well, but she was landing it because it's like Lady Gaga, it's the biggest name. It goes back to that trust thing. It really does. It it's that thing where, you know, the artist has already cemented so much of what they are going to stand for and cemented yeah. so many of their game changers that you can allow them to do this kind of stuff. And I think it even, it definitely cemented it with Joanne, but I think she was playing with that with kind of the Tony Bennett stuff. Yeah. With Cheek to Cheek, she was really cementing herself by aligning herself with another legacy artist, an artist yeah. that, you know, is revered for his work. Um, and... I think this was the kind of cementing of that and the cementing of her musical zeitgeist. I think as well, what people really appreciated about this was it kind of went back to what, you know, you see all those early videos of her with her dark hair performing in jazz bars around New York with just her and a little keyboard and just belting out these kind of beautiful ballads. And I think this was a moment where fans were able to also go, okay, we can trust that this is authentically her because we've seen her do it, just not as the Lady Gaga character. Yeah, totally. She's just so good at being an icon as well. I don't think there's anybody who understands better like the 
the visuals and the iconography that goes behind a, a superstar of any era. Like, it's just even when you think of Joanna, like, the pink hat and how prominent it is on the cover, and she knew that that was going to stay with her for the era, and then she's doing A Star Is Born, and she's doing, like, the award season dress, like, she's, like, a 60s or 50s movie star with, like, the perfect ball gowns, and then she's, like, back into the Chromatica dance world with, like, all this shiny metallic shit. Like, she just, like, gets so much like what is iconic and what she needs to look like for each year and she buys into it like no other artist and I think she appreciates fame in a way I mean she appreciates the like visual side of fame more than anybody which I really like is the Joanne artwork the best artwork of her career yes or no no okay you know what I think (laughs) I think Chromatica is really I think so. Well, think about, like, it's definitely not born this way when she just slapped her head on a motorbike. Yeah, no, that's the worst. <laughs> I just think I mean, that, Art Pop's pretty good. I think the, the the Joanne... Yeah, you're right, Art Pop is a great cover. I think... I think you, we, we talk about the iconography. I think the simplicity of the Joanne cover is just perfect. Just side on, yeah, pink cowboy hat. It suits Simple it. text. And I... Yeah, and I think, you know, the more I go back to the album, the more I think about you know, the the songs, all I see is that image. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's just, it's simple and it's striking, I think. But you could kind of say that about all of her album covers, maybe bar, like the fame is a little bit forgettable. But yeah, apart true. from that, she always gets it pretty right. Yeah, good point. And I think Born This Way, you know, even though it's shithouse, um, it's still kind of <laughs> it's so cool. iconic in its own way because it's just literally... Her as a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, Born This totally. Way written there. And I kind of love that because it's like, whatever. It's whatever. so good. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think it's time for a song game. What we're going to do, do is we're going to put up um, songs from Joanne against songs by pop stars who kind of had their yeehaw rock dog moment. Yes. So the I first... love this. Yeah. It's a good one. There's a, there's a good pool to draw from. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. All the, like, iconic pop stars have all had their little, like, country-slash-rock detour, which I think <laughs> is great. Bar, like, Rihanna. I couldn't really think of her um, her rock dog moment, but... Her rock, her rock dog there. moment. <laughs> Are you ready? Here go we go. <laughs> Here we go. First, first one is Perfect Illusion. Versus Midnight Sky by Miley Cyrus. First of all, I don't know how you're going to top this battle because these are two no, very, not. very oh, good songs. Actually, okay. there is a good one. There's a good one. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so Midnight Sky, I think we or- we automatically just kind of went, yeah, this is perfect and kind of one of the best singles of Miley's whole career. Yeah. Um, it's so good. The Edge of Midnight version with Stevie is incredible as well. Um, but, I mean, Perfect Illusion struck us straight away. It's it's a mishmash of all different sounds. Um, I'm just stalling here because I'm trying to work it out in my head what I actually <laughs> like more. I think, to be honest, and it might just be because I've heard Midnight Sky 8,000 times in the last two months. Yeah. But I think it's Perfect Illusion for me. But ask me in 12 months and that might change. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, d- I love them both, obviously. 
and they're both yeah. very believable and they're both kind of in their element on the songs. Totally. I don't know. The only thing I can bring it down to is performance. And I think if we're talking about like vocal performance, I think just Gaga gives it just 10% more. Yeah. But then, but then if we're going on song, I think that like Midnight Sky is the stronger melody, like a better written song. So yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to go with Midnight Sky. I think it just edges it up. Yeah. But yeah, Gaga vocally on Perfect Illusion like is in her absolute element. Absolutely. In her prime. That's a tough one. And I'll really want to revisit that again in 12 months when I'm not hearing Midnight Sky every two and a half hours on the radio. Let's set a reminder and we'll revisit it in 12 months. Yeah, great. I'll pop it in my calendar. That's a great idea. (laughs) Sam's birthday. Sam's 23rd birthday. We'll revisit the Perfect Illusion Midnight (laughs) Sky battle. Next battle is Ayo. Ayo. Versus Don't Tell Me by Madonna. Wow. I'd forgotten Don't Tell Me by Madonna. I just reminded myself what it sounded like. Um, Not a highlight of Madonna's career, I would say. I think there's many more Madonna rock dog moments that stand out to me. Um, Can't think of some. Um, What? uh, Yeah, see, this is what I thought and there was nothing. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Like, is Beautiful Stranger kind of a bit rocky? I guess so, yeah. Still dancing Yeah, maybe as well, I isn't should it? have gone with that. That's all right. I'm happy to do Don't Tell Me versus AO and then slam Don't Tell Me in the face and say that AO is 10 times better. So okay. it's AO for me. It's two gargas. <laughs> I like Don't Tell Me. I think do it's... you? You would like, you would like, I think don't Madonna tell me. Madonna brought into the, brought into the country era, like in a very funny way. And like, yeah, I think right. on the same album, she has an American pie, like dance cover, which is so oh funny to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, AO is really gritty and like AO should have been given more attention. I feel like that, that's the obvious pop single on the album, in my opinion. It just feels like it got completely dwarfed by a million reasons is the only problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably it. And then I don't know, it's it's still not very like a sound of it wasn't really the sound of the time, was it? To have no. like some bluesy kind of pop record with Has that <laughs> ever been the sound of the time? If we're being realistic, except no, for nineteen ninety three. No. Why nineteen ninety three? I don't know, earlier than that. Eighty something. I don't know. Joe Cocker. Seventies yeah. maybe. Seventies, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, next battle is Million Reasons versus Praying by Kesha. Oh, this is hard. This is very difficult. This is the hard one. Okay, let's unpack. Million Reasons is beautiful, big ballad. Praying by Kesha is hard to go past. I mean, you've literally got one of the most iconic comeback songs I think I've ever heard. Yeah. And I still hear it and weep. And I remember that performance she did at the Grammys of it with um, all those incredible women around her. And it was like, oh, my God. Um, So I reckon, I reckon it's praying, unfortunately, but only by a slim margin and only based on, like, not just how good the song is, but based on you know, other elements of the song um, yeah. and, and the story around it. 
yeah, praying gave me like goosebumps the first time I heard it. Oh. It's like such an impossible song to ignore, ignore, and that note at the end is absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely. Million Reasons was kind of the opposite. The first time I heard it, I was like, wow, she's really like going into this country thing. Yeah. Like, great. And so I was a little bit dismissive of it. And then I think she did like carpool karaoke with James Corden, as you do. And yeah. she sung Million Reasons. And I've never heard a, like a vocal on that stupid program cut through. <laughs> better than she did like it was gobsmacking how good her vocal was on that and then i think the moment that it really took off was super bowl when she kind of came to the piano and and did it and that's when it got its chart moment in the u.s and i think it cracked the top five because it was kind of so unmistakable by that point that here was just a well-written song with an incredible vocal and that was all she needed um insane it's really interesting sorry you go no, no, you you go. I was, I was just going to say, say pray. Really inter- okay, good. Yes, good. <laughs> I was only going to come through with my answer. Um, I was just going to say, what, an, what a fascinating time of her career to do the Super Bowl. And, yeah. and I say fascinating because it both makes no sense and makes so much sense. Yeah. Because it fits the rec, like doing the most iconic American tradition um, in music, the biggest American institution in music performance. Yeah. on your most Americana kind of album yeah. just makes so much sense. But it also, in terms of her um, her notoriety at, and, the, and that point of her career, it probably seemed to some who weren't attached to the record and attached to her at the time as being like, oh, it's, you know, the chick from five years ago coming to do, you know, it's the meat dress woman yeah. coming to do the Super Bowl. Um, but it just made so much sense in the context of the record. Well, I think it was such a purposeful play to do it at that point because they really were trying to establish her as, like, Lady Gaga, the artist of our generation. And, like, yeah. she did Grammys, Oscars, Super Bowl. Um, she did Coachella the following year. And then she led into this kind of Oscar campaign for A Star Is Born. So it was just, like, ticking the boxes of all the things that she could do. And it just helped that there was one song on Joanne that she could bring to the Super Bowl and make it make it work. Yeah, because it's so striking and so contrasting to the rest of the kind of hit discography. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, final one, Dancing in Circles. Versus Dancing by Kylie. Oh, that's a good one. Um, wow. Dancing in Circles. One of my favourite songs on Joanne. Um, possibly second to Perfect Illusion in terms of songs that I will actually listen to purposefully. Yeah. Um, but Dancing, I mean, the golden era from Kylie was so underrated. And I reckon that's an album that we need to unpack at some point. Unless we already yeah. have. No, um, no, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at keeping up with what we've done. Um, yeah, dancing is just like such a beautiful way of combining that country sound with the pop that we loved Kylie for. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I've had the pleasure of seeing the um, the Golden Tour um, in a winery, and it was just beautiful. And dancing is such a fun part of that, and I've got a very soft spot for it. So. Uh, yeah, for me, it's going to be dancing. But I love, I like what you did there. You put the two dancing ones together. Yeah, I thought that was quite clever. That was very smart of you. 
I share your sentiments on dancing by Kylie. That's uh, good. But dancing in circles, I think, um, is kind of Gaga at the peak of her Joanne character. Like yeah. really digging her heels in and just giving a really gritty, grunty performance over like this weird kind of blood pop cross Mark Ronson production. Like just yeah. s- such a bizarre cross section for her and somehow she makes it work so well. And I think it's gritty it's and funny, grunty. Like, Good wording by the way. Gritty and grunty. grunty. Um Ayo and Dancing in Circles are the two that kind of satisfy. I think if you're a real like pop fan going into this, they're the two that you maybe would have found common ground with because she kind of ditches it everywhere else. But um, that was a long way of saying Dancing in Circles. (laughs) Okay. There we go. (laughs) Very interesting. We talk about a lot about like where Gaga was in her career at this point, but we've got to talk about like where pop was at that point as well, because yeah. pop wasn't at the point where Gaga could have made a chromatica and found commercial success with it. I don't think, and I don't think a song like rain on me would have cele- would have been celebrated as much as it has been because around the time she released Joanne, it's when hip hop was making its big push commercially and yep. pop was going towards either really relatable stars we were at the beginning of the Billie Eilish, um, like the very early beginning of the Billie Eilish reign. She was probably like yep. eight and a half years old. And then, um, and we were also going into trap pop as well. And n- neither of those, so I can't imagine um, Gaga doing a TikTok-y kind of relatable, dark <laughs> Billie Eilish moment. And I also can't imagine her doing a trap pop moment either. So where does no. that leave you? It leaves you like in bumfuck nowhere trying to make a decision of what to do. And it's how stars ended up doing like a witness or they ended up doing like a younger now. It's, it's that weird cross section. And they had to choose a direction. Yeah. And I think out of all of them, her direction was the most authentic without doubt of those pop stars who mm-hmm. were lost in that kind of world but it's it's interesting because i feel like the americana side of the album you know and that that real authenticity that cuts through kind of made sense in the context of some of the other number ones that year i mean you had kings of leon with a number one you had um metallica bon jovi with a number one so you had these really kind of established really? americana rock acts also with number one albums around the same time yeah. that Joanne went number one for that one week. But I suppose <laughs> that's albums and artists that are known for that already, whereas this is Gaga's first foray into making this sound and, yeah. and presenting it as a full body of work rather than, you know, some outlier songs on albums, yeah. um, which is where, you know, it potentially falls down um, and doesn't make sense to the point where it, it ends up not working as well as it could commercially. But I reckon if she were to come back with a second tilt at something like this, I think you'd be looking at a real, you know, timing-wise, if she does it next couple of years, which I think is unlikely, but I'd like to see it, um, I think you're looking at the perfect storm to be able to get, you know, a really successful record if you go for that authentic thing a second time round. Yeah. I think it was really important that she did this at the point she did. because. When you enter yourself in a chart race purposefully and you chase a sound that's very current, you're automatically being like, this is me trying to get a hit. Yep. 
and I really want it and I'm like ready to compete with the main pop girls right now. But if you sit on the sideline and you're like, this is not my time, this is my time to do something that's just for me and like a sound that doesn't really make sense on pop radio, then you're kind of taking yourself out of that race, which I think is clever because it meant that she went from being like a very popular artist to somebody who was a legend now instead of being somebody who was just flopping on the charts because Joanne was her second flop record, but it doesn't have the same flop tag attached to it as Art Pop did because Art Pop, she was still trying to get hits. Joanne, I don't think was trying in the same way. And I think it was a clever move that she was like, I'm going to sit out this period of pop music because it's not for me. And now she's come back when dance pop is like winning and Rain On Me was straight to number one and like everybody's talked about Chromatica in the past 12 months. So I think she's clever. You've really raised an interesting one. I think when you pull yourself out of the race purposely you change, you get to control the perception. Yeah. And you get to control the way that people perceive you and the art. And I think, you know, the the name that keeps coming up to me is Katie. Yeah. You know, she really was making an active play for chart success and radio success and not achieving it. And yeah. it was noticeably not achieved. Whereas Gaga couldn't give a, a, a flying fuck what, happened with the songs on this album from a radio perspective Um, and a streaming perspective. This was about making something that was true to her and true to the fans and the fans knew what it was. And therefore, yeah, I think if she's just kind of not present rather than sort of a lukewarm presence on the radio or like a really fleeting presence on the radio, that's a really strong message to send. And and it shows you're you're in the driver's seat and you're in control. Well, think about like what Taylor Swift, where Taylor Swift was before like last year's folklore, folk, folklore evermore, <laughs> double up. Like Lover, I feel like when she had You Need to Calm Down and Me, it was kind of like, I'm just trying to like fit in at this stage because I'm not the commercial juggernaut that I once was. And I don't really know what sound is going to work for me on the radio anymore. And I feel like... Mm. Taylor Swift almost lost her footing as like the highest selling artist kind of of our time. And then when she, she went backwards and did folklore and evermore, it was like, no, now I'm taking this into my own hands. Like, this is my sound. I'm not purposefully playing on the charts anymore. I'm not trying to be something for success. And it worked like it just really worked for her and put her back on, on her pedestal and, probably made her a legacy artist in the same way that Taylor, that um, Gaga is now. So I yeah. think there's a lot to be said for knowing when it's time to play your cards and when it's not. That's a really interesting one. I think the Taylor analogy is good. And I think also, you know, Taylor saw some really nice chart success on these records yeah. as well because I think they were so, you know, p- positioned. And again, it's controlling the perception and she was perceived as being super authentic on them and, and a super yeah. authentic way of putting them out. And so it actually drives, you know, sales. That that said, she did also do 15,000 exclusive bundles to get people Absolutely. to hit yeah. the purchase purchase button rather than stream. Um, yeah, buy but this I think and get a free yarn of wool. <laughs> is it yarn? It's not, no, yarn is another word for wool. You're talking okay. about a ball of <laughs> yarn. Or a ball of wool. <laughs> a yarn of wool. I'd still buy it. A yarn. 
Oh my god! I was about to say something good, and now I lost it because I oh had no. to be stupid. Because you said yarn of wool instead. I know. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, can you imagine, like, Taylor Swift making a disco record being like, oh, Future Nostalgia's doing well. I'm going to, like, get my knee, hi- <laughs> knee highs on no. and head out there with a disco record. Like, awful. Yeah. Because you know it. Because, like, she's not a she's not a follower. She's a she's an agenda setter in so yeah. many ways. So it wouldn't work for her. That but said, I would love to hear a Taylor pop album again. Oh, Definitely. But I think, like, when the time's right, you know, like, Gaga waited till it was right for Chromatica or she thought it was right before the world yeah. shut down and she just lost interest with it and did a Dom Perignon collaboration instead. <laughs> oh, yes, we're recording this on the day that the Dom Perignon collaboration has dropped. You'll all be pleased to know. <laughs> very good. Very good that fans Thanks. can buy both Thanks Oreos everyone. and Dom Perignon, both in the same <laughs> price range. <laughs> <laughs> and in the same transaction, if you really, if you find a really specialist store, yeah, I love chowing down some Oreos and sipping some Dom Perignon. <laughs> you ma- oh my god! Can you imagine after the day after served. drinking drinking a bottle of Lady Gaga Dom Perignon and eating a packet of Oreo Chromatica Oreos. Imagine waking up the next morning, how you'd feel. No thanks. I can tell you, I'll do it this afternoon. That's, that's, that's birthday level shit. <laughs> that's your thing. I'll probably wake oh. up and be glowing like a chromatica kind of pink. <laughs> <laughs> um, just give me one second, then we'll do our, I'll do my game. I just need to check we're actually on the air. Oh, no, we are. Okay. Don't worry. That's all good. Who Thanks. is? We are. No, I was checking the radio was still on. You should put um, us on the All radio well. right now. I agree, to be honest. It'd be much more interesting than what we're playing right now. You know what I was oh, thinking? We're playing Sam Fisher right now. Oh, of course you are. How 10. convenient. <laughs> it's top 10 tilt. <laughs> you know what I was thinking? Sorry, what were you saying? In, yeah. in the next week, I've got to run um, 32 miles for like this running monstrosity I'm doing but for charity <laughs> and I was thinking I'll say if I reach a certain um, goal at the 20th mile I'll call in and we can record an episode of Flopstar that's a great idea <laughs> your, your endorphins will be pumping you'll be full of full of beans full of Absolutely. entertainment yeah I'll that's be running along idea. puffing my heart out it'll be <laughs> essential listening <laughs> Now, do you want to know what my game is? Uh, yes, I do. We're going to do Joanne or Another Joe. The way it works is I'll give you a Lady Gaga song and I'll put it yeah. up against another artist with Joe somewhere in their name. Okay. I'm, th- I'm feeling like Fat Joe is going to get his about 50th airing on the podcast. <laughs> and deservedly so. That... <laughs> P.S. Fat Joe, Sunshine with Amorphous, and DJ Khaled has hit the top 40 on the radio in America. Congratulations to all involved. Has First, w- Yeah, it has, somehow. Not somehow, it's a great song. Great song. I haven't heard it in my 10 statement. minutes in a car per way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ready for the first one? Mm-hmm. First one is Joanne versus the Joe-ness Brothers. The songs that I'll be putting up against each other. Eh, eh, nothing else I can say. Mm-hmm. From Classic. Lady Gaga. Versus Year 3000 from the Jonas Brothers. 
eh eh versus year 3000. Well, eh eh is like one of my underrated faves from Gargs. So, um, and year 3000 I can take or leave. So I've got to go eh 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 eh. That sounds like you when you had your little coughing fit earlier. I have a walnut cord in my throat today. It's very Do precarious. You actually? Yeah, That's like I might upsetting. choke at any time. I get claustrophobic when I have like a nut in my... Oh, I shouldn't say nut in my mouth. Um, <laughs> have a, let's move on. Second one. <laughs> Lady Gaga, you and I versus another Joe. Joe Cocker, leave your hat on. <laughs> You can leave your hat on. <laughs> yes, I'm, Is I'm it, very aware. <laughs> you and I versus Leave Your Hat On, one of the great stripping songs. Well, what do you think that I'm going to listen to if I have a, I a don't moment know. of privacy? No, it's not about that. It's about the quality of the song on the surface. Um, this has to be an objective game with a little hint of subjectiveness as well. Oh, you're, which... you're trying to bring objectivity into your game. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very important that you bring objectivity to my game. <laughs> well, definitely, yeah, you, definitely you and I. I would pay to never hear you can leave your hat on again. Okay. Very interesting. Thanks for that. That is two for Gaga so far. Here's a difficult one. It's Joanne versus Joe and Mayer. John Mayer. Who's? Oh. Joe and Mayer. <laughs> um, Joe from, and jo- Mayer. From Lady Gaga's discography, Lady and the Tramp with Tony Bennett oh, versus John Mayer's arguably best song, Your Body is a Wonderland. Which are we going? Your Body is a Wonderland. And see, I, I knew I would get you at some point. I hate John Mayer. And I can't believe I'm about to say it, but... It's John Mayer's Your Body is a Wonderland is yes! better than Gaga and, and Tony's Lady is a Tramp. That's why they call me the Tramp. That's why the Lady is a Tramp. Is a Tramp. I love my Once upon a time I thought that because I wanted to be a singer before I realised I didn't have the talent to make it happen. Mm. Um... And I just thought that you like it was just really easy to sing like that, so I could just be the next Michael Bublé, just like that. Because it is quite easy to sing like that. It is to put it on like uh, this. See, there you go. Even you can do it. I know. Even you can do it. I didn't mean. I didn't That's mean so to offensive. You. I'm very upset with you. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the next one. Oh, Sylvia Jeffries and Peter Stefanovic have had a baby. Congratulations to them. Um, then the final one oh. is going to be <laughs> is going to be from Lady Gaga's discography. I just saw it. Are you oh. watching the Today Show while we're filming? There's about this. fifteen. I'm in a radio station. And there's about fifteen screens around me. I've got all the news and information I need. I can tell you that Sam Mack, the Sunrise Weatherman, is currently at some sort of dance troupe, Bolder Than Beautiful's on Channel Ten, and. Sylvia Jeffries said had a baby. We move on. Joanne uh, lady, is Lady Gaga, and Lady Gaga's song is The Cure. And I want you to tell me whether The Cure or JoJo's Leave Get Out is better. Oh, cure versus Leave. Get out. Oh, I feel so bad for ditching Gaga and all these. Um, well, Leave Get Out is just a classic. 
You know what? I did want to talk about the cure later because we've talked about so much about her like being authentic with all the decisions she made, but maybe the cure was the one time where we saw her panic a little bit. It's very possible. <laughs> she was like, we need to release a pop song. Just put it out. It'll do. <laughs> let's, 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 let's definitely unpack that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what's your answer? Um, leave, get out. Good. Correct. Two versus two. That is the game. Joanna, another Joe. Justice for Joe Cocker. <laughs> no justice for Joe Cocker. There is one what? Joe Cocker song that I like. What is it's it? It's the one that he does with a girl. Okay, that's good. That's great narrowing. Um, P.S. This is a good time to tell you. I have, I have to, I have to wrap in ten minutes. Okay, cool. So perfect. But I reckon we should keep. No, I reckon we should just stay on the Joe Cocker bit and work out. I don't think we oh, should did spend. Oh, die. Joe Cocker. Dead. No, he's yeah, not. Yeah, Joe Cocker died. Yeah, he is. He died in 2014. He died literally seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very uh. me being devastated when I found out um, Donna Summer died. <laughs> came when in did you find that out? Last year, and I came into the apartment, declared the news, and everyone thought it had just happened. <laughs> I can imagine you doing that. Guys, Donna Summer died <laughs> in 2012. <laughs> I'm glad we're using our last 10 minutes to talk about stuff. Yeah, sorry. We should. May have let's died. keep rolling. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about The Cure because it's a good one. So, like a yeah. year after Joanne, she gets booked to replace Beyonce at Coachella. I believe she's filming like scenes from A Star is Born around the same time. At Coachella, I think. And then she releases one new song. And this is weird for Gaga because she's not one to break era. Generally, she won't won't release outside a cycle. But she released The Cure. Was it purely a move to satisfy fans who were ropeable about the Joanne era? Such a weird one, isn't it? And especially because we'd pretty much been confirmed that there would be more music soon after The Cure, and then we didn't get any new music for about two years, really. Yeah. Um, b- besides A Star Is Born, um, we didn't get any actual Gaga music, and it was just it now sits out as this gigantic anomaly. It's in her such an anomaly. Discography. And just so... Yeah, it, it, and it doesn't have any sense. It doesn't have any reason. And, you know, I want to go back to that trust idea of, like, we trust her to come back. And it was like, yeah, cool, she's back to pop. We knew she'd come back here eventually. But now we look at it and it's like, that was just throwing Random. something out there to see what sticks. And it never got put in the context of anything else. Um, also, I could so, never yeah. imagine hearing it on any of her albums. Like, it doesn't no. fit one of them. It sounds like a blood pop featuring... I can't remember where the blood pop did it, but it sounds like a blood pop featuring Lady Gaga thing. Like, it sounds like a... Yeah. Like Which a it probably just should have been. Totally. But, you know, at the time, is Lady Gaga the kind of artist that's going to jump on, you know, on a, a random blood pop song? By the way, it wasn't produced by a blood pop at all. But, it wasn't. You know, is that okay, going... So probably shouldn't you know, be blood pop featuring no, Lady Gaga. No, <laughs> it probably wouldn't make any sense. Had blood no pop had nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, it's, it just, Dude. it still sticks out as the most bizarre thing. And I remember the excitement. I remember watching it on my, um, ex-partner's floor and 
like literally watching the Coachella performance and loving every moment of it. And then this song happens and I'm like, what the fuck? This is the best day ever. There's new Gaga and it's yeah. really good. And it's a pop song with a giant chorus. And then we just got nothing from it except nothing the song. Nothing else. To sit it's there. crazy. Um, but, but like, yeah, maybe because without it, we wouldn't have heard a pop song from Gaga in almost half a decade. So maybe that's, it that's was very just a, true. Quick, a, good a quick sort of... Just so you know, I am going to come back and do more of this shit one day. Uh-huh. Here it is. But I, like I reckon that. something happened post-release. Plans changed. That's the vibe I get with The Cure. I think so too. Yeah. Do you think she lost fans from doing Joanne? Uh, that's a really hard question. Um, I would No, I don't think she did. I don't think she lost fans. Because if you're a fan of Lady Gaga, you understand... What she, yeah, and you understand what she is and you give her the time and the patience. Yeah. That's what I personally reckon. Um, what I do think she lost, though, in a massive way is the rest of, you know, the what I call the P2 audience. So those kind of passive people who know who she is, know what yeah. she is or have a rough, vague conception of what she is. She, she definitely lost them. Um, and I don't know if she's really picked that back up from where it was at, say you know, born this way time. Um, and that's a really difficult thing. And it's like, will she ever build that kind of real, that adoration back? Or is she going to kind of sit as this sort of, you know, not one of the biggest pop stars in the world for a little while? I know, but I wonder like, yeah, I guess like Rain On Me is her biggest moment in a while, but did that even get her back to like no heights? Maybe no. not. And I Which reckon if you're shame, not a but... massive Gaga fan, you don't really feel like you just feel like Rain on Me is just a song, you know. And like, the, there's so much context to that song and that album, yeah. Chromatica. That is, there's so much context. If you're a fan, you understand. Um, yeah, it's a fascinating one. Maybe it's a good place for her to be in, though. Maybe it's kind of creatively liberating. I mean, she's still yeah. like winning Grammys and Oscars, so it's not like she's. A... She's certainly exactly. not at like Charlie XCX territory or anything. No, that's a good <laughs> yeah. point. But it's like you think about where she was around the fame monster, like she was literally the most famous pop star in the world. And it's like she's just been she's just been superseded by not superseded, that's the wrong way to put it, but she's just been dwarfed by so many juggernauts now that it's yeah. like when, you know, as much as she can be legacy, you know, as much as like someone like Beyonce is not currently you know, one of the five biggest pop stars on the planet, that icon status is so present. And it's like, will Gaga have her opportunity to do that in the same way at some point? I think she'll be a, like, festival headliner for the rest of her life, easily. And, like, a Grammys draw card. Like, I think she'll be be fine. Let's move on to my game because uh, you have to Yes. So, what I want to do is I'm going to put up reviews of fan reviews of Joanne or YouTube comments of Joanne, songs from Joanne, the album, up against reviews of um, her dad's restaurant in New York called Joanne's. Oh, my God. Joanne's Trattoria. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Which I'm going to visit in the next two weeks. I'm very excited. I was going excited. to say, have you been there? Are you I allowed haven't. to go... Are you allowed to go to a restaurant at the moment? We are allowed to go to a restaurant. That's exciting. Congratulations. I am. I will be fully vaccinated as of Thursday. So (gasps) I will be celebrating with a trip to Joanne's Trattoria. And you're going to walk in and spit on everyone. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what I'm most looking forward to about the vaccine. <laughs> okay. The first one is, everything was amazing. I felt as if I mattered and was loved. Everything was amazing. I felt like I was mad. Oh, wow. That's a hard one. I reckon it's... I reckon it's got to be Joanne's, the restaurant. So I feel like that's the vibe you'd get walking into Gaga's dad's restaurant, for sure. It's not. It's a comment left on Million Reasons, and it's a very long-winded story. It's about 300 words long. Starts off with, Crying while listening to this song, I used to have a loving, caring boyfriend who said he was so lucky to have me and that I was beautiful and was the most important important thing to him in life. I felt so lucky. I finally had someone who cared about what happened to me and was there if I needed him. Anyway, she goes on and says, Thank you and remember to live, love, and laugh. I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Me too. That's how I live my life. That's the Me sentiment too. that I live my life yeah. with. <laughs> okay, the next one is, um, the result is a careless, lifeless production. Ooh, a careless, lifeless production. Is this the production of a really great risotto? Or is this the production of a record? Hmm. I'm going to go with, Joanne. Yeah, I'll go Joanne. The restaurant or the album? The the album. That is a review of the restaurant. What? Yeah, oh it doesn't my God. it doesn't have great reviews. I'm terrible at this. Does it not? <laughs> no. Does it not? It's quite, quite bad actually. <laughs> okay, oh my the, god, poor Joanne's. I ne- trust it. The next one is you've left me speechless, so speechless. <laughs> 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 oh, this is really difficult because now you've prefaced it by saying it doesn't have great reviews, but I'm sure there's a couple of really good reviews, probably from them. Um, I <laughs> would say this is of the album, Joanne. That is a review of the restaurant, and I Fuck. just want to read you a portion of this because this is like Please. Ri- this is obviously written by a Gaga mega fan. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the lines. Our eyes must have been bigger than our stomachs because the portion sizes were huge. But regardless, we all thought, I'm off the deep end. Watch as I dive in. (laughs) 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 Fucking Gaga stands. (laughs) So bad. Final one. uh, My marriage fell apart through my fingertips tonight. Holy shit. I'm going to say this is a fight gone wrong at Joanne's The Restaurant. <laughs> it's not. It's a comment on Million Reasons. Oh, my another, God. Another long-winded story that was left on the... Why are people just pouring their hearts out in the comments section of a YouTube video? It seems to be a real just, like, community of broken-hearted people connecting. Not for me. Not for, not me, for me No, I'd spend a lot, uh, enough so did time I just get zero? Did I just get zero... Correct. Yeah, I think you didn't get any right. Yeah, I'm pretty right. sure you didn't. Congratulations. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much. I really appreciate okay, it. Okay, let's great. buzz through. Give me your best and worst song score out of 10. Oh, once again, I, I struggle to find a worse song, but I'm going to go and try and find one again. Um, the My favourite al- my favorite song is Still Perfect Illusion. Mm-hmm. There's just something about it. Just something about it that still speaks to me. Um, maybe... For worse song, maybe Hey Girl. 
Yeah. I think Hey Girl. I can see that. I just, Florence, I don't need Florence. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm, I get really scared every time I choose my worst song because I'm worried that you're going to go, that's about her. Um, <laughs> dead dog. Well, that's about I've it. I've done that about five so. times now. I go for the worst. I go for the most boring ballad, which always ends up being the saddest song on the record. <laughs> yeah, that's my. And in terms of a rating out of ten, um, oh, it's a hard one. It's not an album I'm putting on repeat all the time, but it's still really, as we've discussed, stands up. So I'm going to put give it a seven point five. Okay, I like that. I'm also going to give it a seven point five. And Yay. I'm going to say my favourite song is, um, I think I'm going to go with Ao, and Smoking the Mall, and maybe Come to Mama, and then I'm going to go with the worst song being Sinner's Prayer. Oh yeah, I'm I'm happily approving of that. Yeah. Wow, that's a real agreeable situation that we're it doing. It is an here. agreeable really situation. Impressive. We've actually been in agreement. This po- this podcast has flown by. It has. And you we've passed the hour mark now. So sad. I, I love that I'm losing you. I'm losing you on Zoom with two minutes to go. I'm losing you on Zoom. No. Well, this is great. I'm finishing the podcast by myself. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Should we say goodbye quickly? <laughs> okay, I got you. This is good. I was just trying to. I was going to Facebook message call you. It's my end. Um, we can do our flop of the week. Let's do our flop of the week. Flop of the week. Okay, let's go. Have you got cool. one or do you want me to go? I'll, I'll go first this week with flop of the week. You're going to have to do some real cleaning up on this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my flop of the week this week is, and, and it's, I don't want it to be a flop, and I'm worried it might be a flop, but I don't think it should be a flop, is yep. the follow-up to Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license, Deja Vu. I reckon she might yep. have, I think she might have won up to herself. I think the song is possibly better than Driver's License. Yeah. It's got more staying power. It's fascinating. The production is incredible um, by Dan Nigro. And I think the like the way that she kind of, it's called Deja Vu. It's literally about repeating things. And then she repeats the first verse at the end. And it's yeah. like, it's just everything about it is amazing. I think Olivia Rod- Rodrigo so will be main pop girl. Um, I'm just hoping that everyone realizes how good it is straight away. Me too. I hope it's not too weird, but I think I think it will do well. Okay, my flop of the week is um, a song from a few weeks ago. I'm going with Australian artist Charlie, who um, released her, her debut single, Hard For Me, and it's just so good, and it still hits right every time. It's just like the cheekiest, brightest pop song we've had come out of Australia in a long time. And Hands I down. think it got the attention it deserved initially, but like, get that shit on radio, let's go. Yep, let's make that a smasher because it's just a perfect pop song and she's going to be a really exciting pop star. She's, you're right, cheeky's the word. She's very fun. She's super bubbly. Um, yeah, Charlie Main Pop Girl 2021, let's do it. Let's do it. Charlie and Olivia. What a, <laughs> <laughs> what a combo. What a combo. Um, <laughs> I, I look forward to them being the Main Pop Girls. Guys, hit follow, hit, um, hit subscribe. I think it's all follow now um, and leave us a review if you can. Um, it always helps the podcast. And remember to live, laugh, and love. Yeah, live, laugh, and love. Beautiful words. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Adios. Catch you next week. Goodbye.